Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. You know, there must be something in the scripture that has a revelation that God wants to give us in these last days. You know, Jesus said these words. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth you know shall set you free. Now, that word know means own it. It's not just saying it or parroting it, but when you own a truth, when that truth becomes a revelation to you, the revelation of that truth will set you free. Listen to this in John chapter 8, verse 32. Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, if you abide, if you live in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Now, when you read that, the Lord says, when you shall know, and it literally means you'll grow in wisdom. You'll grow in knowledge. We, we know the scriptures say that we start off with the milk of the word, but we grow in that till we get the meat of the word. You know, one of the things I love about studying the Bible and reading what God's word says is that the word of God, the Bible, is a living word. In other words, when we're younger in the Lord, we see something, and it's a great truth. But the older we get, that word keeps becoming more and more alive, and we go from the milk of that word to the meat of the word. You shall know. It's a learning process, the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, j- just a little side note, when I was, when I was r- putting this down and, and working on it, I was thinking about um, we've just celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, and the day after the Feast of Tabernacles is called Simchat Torah. Does anybody know what that means? Simchat Torah? It means the joy of the Torah or the joy of God's word or the joy of the Bible. I can remember one time Scotty and I, I we might have been with the tour, but I think we were just in Israel filming. And we were coming up from the Western Wall and it was Simchat Torah. And... And as we were walking up the stairs from the Western Wall, these Jews grabbed us. Uh, they came out of the synagogue, and they're all dancing. They, got a, they all got big Torah scrolls, and they're all dancing. They grab us, and they bring us in, and they're dancing and everything. You've seen this. I have a, I have a sculpture in my office of dancing with the Torah. This takes place on what's called the joy of the Torah or the joy of the Bible. And the reason why they do that is because they understand that the word of God is God. You know, we know in John 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was with God. And if you've ever been to a synagogue and they open up a Torah scroll and they're reading it, they have a little silver pointer. They don't even touch 
the Bible with the, the, the Torah with their hands. When we, when we bring the Torah out for like a uh, Sabbath Friday night and we bring it out and we walk in amongst the people, you're taught not to touch that with your hand. And that's a sign of respect, that you're respecting God's word. You're honoring God's word. But on Simcha Torah, they take that Torah, they take that word, and they wrap their arms around it, and they dance. And the reason why is God says on this day that we are celebrating the living word of God, God says, wrap your arms around me and dance with me. So this is the day in which the, the, the Jewish world and those who understand, we are dancing with the living word of God. We are literally dancing with God. And so when Jesus says, and we hear this so often, you shall know the truth. You shall have an intimate relationship with the truth. You know, very seldom when I'm studying, will I go to the Webster Dictionary but last night when I was writing this down, and I know what it means in Hebrew, but I was writing it down, and I went to the Webster Dictionary, and it means the same thing in Hebrew. The word truth means the actuality of one thing or an event that is a fact. Now listen, in the, in the dictionary, or a spiritual reality. So God says when you know the truth, this is Look at me. This is a spiritual reality. What I'm going to teach you today is not a concept. What I'm going to teach you today and next week is a spiritual reality that we can take to the throne of God. And I believe it's a revelation for these last days. As crazy as it's getting, as crazy as the world's getting, as crazy as our government is getting, as crazy as laws that are trying to be passed, I believe a thousand percent we're going out the glorious bride without spot, without wrinkle. We're going out a powerful, powerful bride. And let me just throw something in. Get out and vote. Amen. You got to counter what these guys are trying to do. Get out and vote. But what God is saying here today, I believe, is an end time spiritual reality. Truth is a spirituality. You shall know. When you own this, it releases a spiritual reality. And then it says, and will set you free. The Hebrew word of free means a liberty to live life. Let me say that again. If you receive this truth, if you say, God, this is a, today what pastor is teaching is a truth for me, it will bring you a liberty to live life. If I were to ask you, why did Jesus come? Most of us would say he came to die for our sins. And that's absolutely true that we can make heaven our home. But what did Jesus say? He said, I've come to give you and that life more abundant. I believe that abundant life in a big way has to do with the revelation of this scripture that I'm going to give you today. Read with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you 
that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, I've used that scripture. I've been in the ministry now. We're trying to figure it out. I think I've been in the ministry now for 45 years. And how many times have we received the Lord's Supper? And we use this and we quote it and we try to explain it. But every time I read that, Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. It bothers me because that is contrary to what the scriptures tell us about Jesus. Look at John 19, if we can pull that up. John 19, verse 28. Now, we re- what we need to understand is Jesus did not speak English. Oh, come on, I need a bet. <laughs> Holy cow. Vince Lombardi said to the football team, this is a football. Okay, that's basic 101. Jesus did not speak English. How long must I be with you? Jesus did not speak English. Jesus did not speak Latin. And Jesus didn't speak Greek. Now, I know, I, I, you know, I was watching guys on television this morning, preachers. I love to watch preachers uh, uh, when we're getting ready to come to church. And he said, in the, one of the prayers said, in the Greek, it says this. I turned another to in the Greek. And that's great. We, 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 we can get some neat things out of Greek. But Jesus didn't speak Greek. Jesus spoke Western Aramaic, which is a form of ancient Hebrew. Are you okay? So when we read the Bible, a lot of, (laughs) are are you all right? A lot of words in the Bible have been changed. You know, for example, can I give you an example? This will really throw you. When Jesus hung on the cross, you read the scripture and it says, Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And then it says right after that, which is interpreted. Now, why does it say, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is interpreted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because they, nobody knew what he said. Come on. I'm, 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 I usually say I'm going over to the Presbyterian, but you Baptists aren't doing very well either. <laughs> That's a very common thing in when the church was starting. We don't know what it means, so it is interpreted. This is what we think it means. I'm going to show you what it really means on Easter. But there's no word, there's no word in any language of Sabachthani. That word does. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. <laughs> That word doesn't exist. It's a made-up word. It's a made-up word. And the revelation of what Jesus is saying, that's why they said, we don't know what he's saying. We're interpreting. We're guessing this is what it said. So when you read the English Bible, are you all okay? In the last days, we will own the truth. 
And that truth we own will bring freedom from the revelation of that word. Amen. Now that's, that's what, that's what my job is. That's what, that's what we're a different kind of church. We're, my job is to, in these last days is to, is to dig in, you know, uh, the scripture says our religious traditions nullify the word of God. So a lot of times because nobody's, nobody's taught us to read. Nobody's taught us to say this is what the word. Even even when I was growing up, I would go once in a while to a church with a friend of mine, and they were speaking Latin. So you're sitting there, and the guy's speaking Latin. And I asked my friend why they do that, and he said, well, we're not smart enough to know what it really means. <laughs> so they can tell you it means anything. And that's what happens with, with the word of God. But in the last days, our eyes will be open and we'll begin to understand what a Western Aramaic Jew, Hebrew speaking Jesus was teaching us. And when we learn that truth, that truth will bring to us a liberty to live life more abundantly than we ever have before, Amen. right? So here we read, and, we, and everybody does this when we receive the Lord's Supper, which was Passover. Y'all know that, right? He's taking Passover. He's doing Passover. And in English, it says, this is my body, which was broken for you. The problem is in John 19, Looking at verse 28, the Lord says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures may be fulfilled, said, I thirst. And now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a, a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the other who was crucified with him, crucified with Jesus. And when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out and he who has seen has testified and his testimony is true and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe for these things were done that scripture should be fulfilled not one of his bones shall be broken. Am I, am, I, am I telling the truth? Yes. So when, 
we look at the crucifixion of Jesus, we see the Passover. Because Jesus, this is taking time of Passover, Jesus was the Passover lamb. When they killed the Passover lamb, if you look in the book of Exodus, they killed the Passover lamb. They took the blood of that lamb and they dipped a hyssop in that blood and put the hyssop on the doorposts of their house so that when the angel of death or the angel that destroys passed by, when he saw the blood of that lamb, he would pass over those who were in the house. Now, next week, we're going to talk about breaking every spirit in these last days that attacks you. But this is all a symbol of Jesus being the Passover lamb. And if you read Exodus, and we won't take time to read it this morning, when you read Exodus, you see that when they brought the lamb in and they roasted the lamb and they ate the lamb, they were instructed not one bone in that lamb was to be broken. So when Jesus hung on the cross and they had to get them down off the cross because the Sabbath was coming, because ancient Jewish wisdom says if someone has committed something so evil that they are crucified, if they're still on the cross, when the Sabbath comes, whatever curse is on them comes down upon the people. And so they had to get them down, the two thieves. They weren't dead yet. They broke their legs so they couldn't support themselves. But when they got to Jesus, they said he was already dead. And so they did not break his legs. So the scripture would be fulfilled. His body was not broken. So when Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you. I always read that and I said, God, I understand. You know, we, we take that as, you know, he was whipped on the cross and or put on the cross. He was whipped by his stripes were healed and we use that. But the Lord began to deal with me. He said, there's a secret in here. And so I began to study it. I went back to the original language and I realized that when we grab a hold of this truth, this truth will bring to every one of us here a freedom for the end times because God is getting ready to do things in our lives that the world has never seen before. And I'm out of time. I don't have time to tell you what it is. The word break, this is my body, which is broken for you. The word break, if you go to the Greek, is the word exilon. And it literally means to be broken, to break. But like I said, Jesus didn't speak Greek. He spoke Western Aramaic, an ancient form of Hebrew. So when you go to the, to the, to the ancient Hebrew or the Greek, the word that he uses here is not exclusive, but it's the word gatsa, which can mean be broken, but it's normally used in scraping. Now, what you've got to understand is that Jesus is a Jew speaking to Jews who understand things 
that until the end times when our eyes were open, Gentiles don't understand. So when Jesus said, this is my body, which was gatsa, which was scraped for you, he's talking about a miracle that every Jew understood. We're going to read it next week, but I'll just give you the scripture. Leviticus 14, 41, when the priest heard of leprosy, a curse that's in a home, they would go into that home and they would gatsa, they would scrape the plaster off of that home so that this curse could not spread and would eventually be removed. The plaster is similar to the skin on a wall. Now, we know that by his stripes we are healed. But when you read the description of Jesus at the whipping post, when they whipped him and those barbs would dig into his flesh, it literally peeled his flesh off. It literally didn't just leave a, a stripe, but it would dig into his flesh. And that flesh, he would, was literally filleted. His skin was removed. And so when Jesus said, this is my body which was peeled or scraped for you, we understand by his stripes we are healed, but it's a deeper meaning than that. It means that I will come in and whatever the enemy is trying to do, I will peel it away and remove it so that you can have life and that life more abundantly. Somebody ought to say amen. Now, we're going to get into the curse part next week, but let me leave you with this. By his stripes, we are healed. We know the word healed in Hebrew is rapha. And the word healed means physical healing, yes. Uh, God gave lion a miracle physical healing. God gave tis a physical miracle healing. But the word rapha does not just when Jesus said, by my skin being peeled, you are healed. It's not just, it is a physical healing, but it is more than a physical healing. It is a physical healing and a spiritual healing at the same time. Now listen to this. In Psalms it says, and I'm closing with this because we're going to pray. In Psalms it says, he sent his word. Now remember, the word is God. It's the living presence of God. When we know what that word is, when we own that word, that word gives us liberty. I've come to give you life and life more abundant. I've come to peel away anything the devil's trying to bring. I've come to remove that. I've come to cleanse you of that. I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly. We may have a good life now, but listen to me prophetically. When the Messiah comes, and I believe we're closer to the coming of the Messiah than we even realize, we're not going up limping. You're not going up bruised, busted. 
exhausted and disgusted. We're going out more than a conqueror. We're going out where the blessing of God is so strong on you. All the world is going to call you blessed and want to know why it is in this crazy world. You're being blessed in every area of your life. And we can say, because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, but he's done more than that. He has peeled away the attack of the enemy, and I am now living in a new life and a new beginning. Now you think, let me just throw one thought in here. The skin, your skin is the only part of your body that is constantly being renewed. I read this thing one time about how your, your, your skin, your skin falls off at night and I've never been comfortable in a motel room since then. I want to get one of them blue lights and go, oh my. He's come to give us life and that life more abundant. Listen to this. He sent his word and healed them in every area. Healed their bodies, healed their homes, healed their marriages, healed their families, healed their finances. Come on, somebody. I'm working too hard up here. He sent his word. When we own that word, that word gives us liberty and freedom. We, I know you hear me say this, but hear it. We may be in this world, but I'm not of this world. I don't know what's happening in the Oval Office, but I know what happened on the cross. I don't know what's happening in Congress, but I know what's happening on the throne. And the Bible said he's sending his word, look at that, and healed them, look at this, and delivered them from destruction. Delivered them from destruction. Listen to what it says. Another translation is from destruction, snatching them from the door of death. Now that may be, that may be the, like the death sentence we got with lion. That may be like the death sentence we got with tears and God sent his word and we grabbed a hold of that because the word of God is God. That's why in Simkatora, God says, come and dance with me. Well, I want to declare to you, come and dance with God today because his word is not a logos word. His word is a rhema word. It's a living word for every one of us today. Somebody ought to shout amen snatches us from the door of death. I'm going to tell you a story. I won't tell you who it is, but I'm going to tell you a story that I just heard today. Somebody's in, in our church's company was fraudulently, they were, their, their, their webs, their emails were tapped into and somebody out of their company stole $625,000 last week. And so they begin to pray and blow the shofar and call on the name of the Lord. And the banks told them, they said, I just heard this this morning. The banks told them, said, it's gone. You're, you're not getting it back. You can try this, but, and, and it's been gone for four days. It was a scam. It was a scam. And so they tried it and the bank said, it, 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 once it's in there, it's gone. They, they take it the next hour. It was in there four days. 
But they started calling their family. Everybody started calling on the name of the Lord, binding the devil. And all of a sudden, that money comes out of the scam account that sat there for four days and returned into their account. God snatched them. Oh, come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? God will snatch you out of the jaws of the enemy. It may be your marriage. It may be your children. It may look impossible. The expert said, your money's gone. But God said, I will come and I will peel back the enemy and give you a new beginning in every area of your life. Somebody ought to shout amen. He rescues them. Listen, if all Jesus did was die for my sin, and I say this all the time, I couldn't praise him enough. I couldn't thank him enough. I couldn't worship him enough. But Jesus came to rescue us. That's why he said to the Jews, he said, this is my body, which was gotsa for you, was peeled back. He said, I've, I've been peeled for you. I am coming in as the high priest, not just a priest, as the high priest. And I'm coming into your home and I am peeling back that plaster and I am removing every single stain that the enemy would try to bring to you. If you receive that, give the Lord a great big clap offering. I want you to stand all over the building. Is there something that God needs to make new for you? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's physical. Maybe you've gotten the evil report from the doctor. Maybe it's from the bank. You know, in ancient Jewish wisdom, it says whenever you see or hear of a miracle in somebody else's life, what does it mean? Has the devil tried to steal your joy? Has the devil brought a battle against you? You know, we're, we're in this world. We're going we're gonna to face battles. But greater is he that's in us than anything that can say anything. Anything that can come against you. If you need God to renew something in your life, your health, your family, your finance, your, I want you to come forward and say, Pastor, I want a miracle. Come forward. As we're, as, we're, as we're getting ready to pray, Pastor, I need, I need God to renew my home. I need God to renew my children. I need God to renew my marriage. I need God to renew my finances. You know, you look at what's going on in the world, and I understand. I understand. Come, come this way. Nobody ever comes in the middle. I bathe before I come. Most of the time, not all, not every time. Sweetheart, right, right here. What do you, what do you need from the Lord? Just real soft, real soft. What do you need from the Lord? Healing in your family, home, children, marriage, right? I need some, I need some ladies. Let me ask you something. Next, next week, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this scripture about the high priest coming and removing leprosy. We're going to talk about breaking family curses, breaking generational curses. This is a very real thing. There's three ways a curse comes on you. We're going to talk about that. And this scripture, Jesus didn't come just 
to die. I don't want to ruin my message for next week. But he said, this is my body, which has been peeled for you. Right? But then he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Look at me. If we're not living in victory, we're not living in everything that Jesus gave to us. This is a time for us to start living in victory. Yeah, there's a, is there a battle out there? Sure, there's a battle. The battle sucks eggs. Nobody wants to go through the battle. But you are more than a conqueror. That's why it's not just a physical healing. It's a spiritual healing. Is there uh, any history in your family of broken homes? Yeah. It's all over you. It's all over you. It stops now. Okay. I mean, and I ask that, the reason, the only reason I ask that is, and I never would embarrass anybody, right? But the reason I ask that is to let you know, this is something that landed on you. It's not, not something you've done. It's something that landed on you. Like a bird that finds its nest, a curse without a cause doesn't come. We have, we have birds that come to our house this time every year that come to the same same spot on our house. I've I've put up barbed wire. I've put uh, I've put up spikes. They it comes. Okay, that's what God is saying. A bird. How does it find that spot? It's drawn to there. It's the same thing whether it's in your family. Uh, financial problems are drawn to you, or health is problems are drawn to you, or divorce is drawn to you. But Jesus didn't just die to forgive us of our sin. He died and shed his blood to give us life and life more abundant. Let's break that curse. Anybody else have a marriage problem you need healed? Lift your hand up. It's, it's okay. You know, you know, a lot of times in church, we do this. You got a problem, we go. And it's like, you know, nobody's going to think bad. I had a guy one time that was on staff, one of the greatest pastors I've ever had. And he comes to me and his wife is leaving him, which in reality was a blessing in disguise. When he told me, my words were, oh, brother. But inside I'm going, you are so lucky. Is that okay to be honest? She's a nutcase. But he came to me. The the Bible says confess our faults. Confess those things that that are things that are bringing an earthquake in our life. Confess it. Now let me tell you something. Be careful who you confess it to. You, you want to confess it to somebody that's going to go, come on, let's kick the devil's teeth in. You don't want to confess it to somebody and go, oh, well, you're, you're done. Okay, I'm serious. You, got, you, you watch who you, you talk to. Watch who you get to pray for you, right? So he comes to me and he said, Pastor, I, you know, this is happening. I said, brother, I said, you know, I'm so sorry. He goes, well, I know you're going to have to fire me. I said, why would I fire you? You didn't do it. You didn't do, do anything wrong. It'd be like saying, Luke, I got to fire you. Your son has cancer. Right? Listen, we're in a world out here that's a fallen world. That's why it's so important that who, who covers you, what ministry covers you, okay? So if you are having a problem in your marriage, let's break that thing right now. That's an attack of the devil. 
God, God Well, I got to be careful what I say. Every one of you, let, let me just say, every one of you women and men, you have a right in your marriage to be happy. You have a right to be happy. When you young ladies are praying for a husband, don't pray for a husband, pray for a godly husband. A husband that'll serve God, love Jesus with all his heart, pay the bills, right? 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 Don't, don't think, well, I'll marry him and change him. When you're dating somebody, you're seeing their best. Matter of fact, most of the time, we're faking it. God had, are you two together? Yeah. God has his hand on you too. Okay. There's been, there's been, there's, brother, there, when I got saved, Everybody knew that I was a drug addict and all the things, but I also had this aggression in me. God did not remove that aggression. He sanctified it. Okay, when I became a man of God, I was still a man. I'm going to tell you something. God's going to take you and God's going to raise you up in the things of God as a man of God. Where, where's, here's my son, Luke. Wanderson's around here somewhere. Get around these guys. God's got a discipleship program for you. It's going to raise you up as a man of God. Amen. Father, we break every curse that comes against homes and families. Listen to me. All of our children and grandchildren that are not saved, we're calling them in right now. Where's Bruno? Where's Bruno? Bruno, the last couple days, stay with me, folks. The last couple days, God kept giving me a word for you that I was going to give today. That there is a fire that God is putting in you. But this morning when I was doing my prayers and I, and, and I asked God, God, if you want me to give a word to somebody, tell me. I saw the fire, but the fire turned into lava. And that lava began to flow out of you. And when lava begins to flow, nothing can stand in its way. The fire, the lava of God in you, brother, is going to pour out over the young people that God is putting in your charge. You watch. Watch for a great, great move of God. It's beginning today. Watch for it to happen. Amen. Father, we bind the devil that comes against our homes, our families, our children. In the name of Jesus, and we release healing. Just as just as Jesus said, by his stripes, by the peeling of his skin, we are healed because you renew and you sanction. Look at me a second. In Portland, we used to do a conference every year, and God told me, God spoke to me. I was actually here in Dallas when God spoke to me, and he said, I want you to go after pastors that are falling. I want you to go after pastors that are falling because pastors, we're shepherds, we're taught to leave the 90-90 and go after the one. But what happens when God's leaders are going through a battle? The church, the church world, you know, if somebody, if somebody in leadership goes through some of the church world, the church world just cuts them loose. But Jesus doesn't cut us loose. Matter of fact, Jesus said, I will never leave you, never forsake you. And so we started going after 
We started going after pastors and, and, and pay for it. We pay their airfare to salvage them. We pay their hotel room, we, but you had to come husband and wife. The last one we did, we'd have 750 volunteers in the church take the week off to help us take care of these pastors. Because listen, if, if, you're, if, if you're loving God, you're an enemy of the devil. Do you understand that? You're not a bad person. You're, you're a target of the devil. And so the first Sunday, we, we didn't even know. We had Baptists and Lutheran and Presbyterian. And, you know, I asked one time, I said, what denomination are you guys? Because we didn't know people would. We had to turn down hundreds of couples. The last one we had, I think we had 650 couples there. And we had to start it off. Listen to this. We had to start it off. We used to start off on Sunday morning and get to know everybody. We had to start it off on Saturday night just to party with those in the ministry. Because here's what leaders said. Leaders said, I got this invite. And they said, we're going to take care of you. We're going to fly you in. Somebody gave us their name. We're going to pay for your hotel. We're going to have a big tent up afterwards. And we're all going to eat together. Nobody's going to the big shot room you know, and then us little guys are going over to the little guy's room or on our own. We're all in it together. I, I had everybody in the world preaching for me, I, I, everybody. And I said, if you want to eat with us, we're going out to eat with these guys. Doesn't matter if you're running 5,000, you're running five. We're in this together. Look at me. We're in this together. The first Sunday that I preached, I don't even remember what I preached, but I said, we had 650 couples we brought in. And I said, if you're going through a divorce and you're willing to call home Monday and say, we're canceling the divorce, we are going to stand together. I want you to stand up. These are pastors. 38 couples stood up that were going through a divorce. They already had their divorce in the making. And by the grace of God, somebody gave us their name. We, we brought it back in. We had, we had pastors' wives. I remember one guy, and they're still in the ministry. They're doing phenomenal. She was back on drugs. What we want you to know is this is not about being religious. This is about God giving you a new life in every single area. Amen? Say this. My best is yet to come. Does anybody need a healing in their body? I want to get through this as fast as I can. I'm sorry, but you need healing. What do you need? Okay. All right. All right. What do you need, sweetheart? Huh? Yeah. All these pills, the side effect is this, the side effect is that, right? Let me, let me tell you something. Let me, let me give you something. And this is not just on healing. Let me, give you some, let me give you some spiritual growth, all right? Last week, I had the privilege of being with a good friend. The reason I wasn't here is a good friend of mine, Pastor Walt Lander, has been a good friend of mine for 25 years. Pastor, he's a great, great pastor, great ministry in San Angelo. And they asked if I would come and do their anniversary service and he has beautiful family beautiful daughters but 25 years ago received this this is for you 25 years ago the doctors made a mistake and severed his daughter's spine in an operation she had cancer she had cancer 
and we and we began to pray and when they went in to operate on her they found that cancer was still in there but it was all dried up they said like a cluster of dried grapes but when they were cutting it out they they severed her spine and so we're at i'm doing his conference and we're having coffee and stuff with the pastors afterwards and she's in a wheelchair and is Ann here? Is, is Ann here? Remember this, Ann? 25 years ago, right? She was in a wheelchair. Walt reminded me. I'd forgotten all about this. I, I remember the, the but, and her, she couldn't even hold her head up. She had one of those halos screwed into her skull. So we're at this, we're having coffee. I'm sure John was there and we're having, and Ann was there, we're having coffee. And he's telling me about this. She, she'll never get out of that wheelchair. And I said, let's give her something to focus on. Let's give her something to focus on because you can't let the devil focus you on the negative. Okay. Can't, you can't let the devil focus you on the negative. So I went over to her and, and Walt was telling the guys in the back and I forgot about it. I knelt down next to her. Uh, which daughter was it, Dan? Erica. And I said, Erica, when God gets you out of the wheelchair, now they already told her, you're not coming out of that wheelchair. She couldn't hold her head up. I said, when you get out of that wheelchair, what do you want to do? Because I'm going to do it for you. What, you want a bicycle? You know, I was being a cheapskate. Bicycle. <laughs> you know, you want to go to Disneyland. What do you want to do? You know what she said? I want a horse. I want a horse. And I said, okay. What you want, what want you to do is I want you to go and I want you to cut out pictures of a horse and cut out this and that. You know, I'm thinking a bicycle. I'm thinking 300 bucks. <laughs> I said, when you get out, I'll buy you a horse. And we showed the pictures, huh, Ann? They showed the pictures. I'm preaching for them. And she's, she's sleeping in the pew. And they wake her up and said, honey, Pastor Larry has someone. And they walk the horse into the into the into the uh, the uh, into the service here. But that's a very strong thing. I, you picture your children serving God. You picture your body being healed. You picture when when Tiz was sick, and they said they said you've got three months. Now I'm talking about God giving you life and life. God does not, God is not El get by. God is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. God wants you to be blessed in joy more than, say it, more than enough. Are you receiving this? When, when, when they told Tis three months, you have three months. That sits in your mind. That's what the devil wants you to focus on. Tis talks about it. Tis talks, did I have a, my book up here? Tis talks about this. If, if you haven't read this, you need to read it because it's not just, oh, we believe in it all. No, we went through some real battles with your mind, with your thoughts, picturing the house empty without Tis. Tis, the devil tried to picture, you know, the fam, all the family doing things, but she's not there. So you've got to reverse, and we're going to talk about this next week. You've got to reverse that curse, right? So we'd be sitting there, 
And I could see her, we're watching TV or something, I could see it come on her. And I go, you know, Tiz, when we're done with this, let's, you know, when I first got saved, I had a 69 Mach 1. And, you know, I was a drug dealer and all that stuff. And so I, I lost all that when I got saved and all that. But I love that car. And I said, when we get saved, let's find a 69 Mach 1 or 69 Camaro. And, you know, we've never driven up the California coast. Let's go get, let's find one of those and let's drive up. And, and we're painting a picture, not of, it, it's like when Jesus Jairus comes to Jesus. Remember that story, brother? Jairus comes to Jesus and they came and said, don't bother the rabbi. Your daughter's already dead. You know what? Your problem is way too big. What did Jesus say? She's not dead. She's sleeping. Well, she's been sleeping without breathing for about eight hours. But you call those things which are not. What Jesus was doing was painting a picture in Jairus. But what did Jairus just see? Does anybody remember what just happened? The woman with the issue of blood for how many years? That no one could do anything for her. Why is that in the Bible that Jairus is standing there He comes to Jesus and he said, my daughter's sick. Jesus is walking with him. Get this. Get this. Jesus is walking with Jairus and all of a sudden he stops. He said, who touched me? They said, what do you mean? I've I've been in that marketplace. What do you mean? There's everybody. It's like, you know, we're we're walking through this. And he goes, I felt power come out of me. I felt anointing come out of me. Now, if I was Jairus, I would have said, you know what, Lord? She's been sick for 12 years. We all know her. My daughter is near unto death. But Jairus needed to see God do it for somebody else. Because ancient Jewish wisdom says whenever you see it or hear it, you're next. Say, I'm next. Now, I'm telling you, this is how you live. This is how you live. Yes, his daughter was sick. We're not denying that. It's like Tiz always said, we don't deny the cancer. We just deny its right to be here. Right? We don't deny the problem. We just deny its right to cross the threshold that has the blood of the lamb on everyone of not only your, your life, but your husband's life, your wife's life, your children's life. The devil cannot win when we know that when we own this truth, he cannot win. Right? And so Jairus is standing there. And they said, don't bother the rabbi. She's already dead. And Jairus didn't go, oh, man. He just saw a woman that everybody knew that was bleeding to death. And Jesus just set her free. And he turns to Jesus and he says, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. But then what did he do? Man, it's a whole sermon. I ought to get double offering on this one. (laughs) Then what did he do? He didn't kick. Come on, let's all go. He kept out those, even the disciples who didn't have this level of faith. Right? 
So that's why I'm saying you got to watch who you share this with. You got to share it with people who call those things which are not as though. Jesus did that. A lot of people say, well, that's hyper faith. You better have hyper faith because most of the world has hyper unbelief. She's not dead. She's sleeping. You are. Say this out loud with me. I am more than a conqueror. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm not going under. I'm going over. My best, my best is yet to come. Do you believe that? What do you guys need right here? What do you need? What do you guys need? Huh? Finances. All right. And I'm not going to ask you to name a name, but you need to sit down together and write down, say, here's how much we need. Here's what, here's what, here's what we're looking for. Here's, here's how much we need. And you bring that before the Lord. And, and I'm not saying this lightly. So many times we say, God, I need more money. Well, a penny's more money. Look at me. It is the father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Amen. You ever buy something for your kids they don't need? Come on. Do you ever, you know, when I grew up, I grew up in the hood. I grew up inner city. I grew up, we grew up poor. We weren't poor. We were poor. We couldn't even afford the last OR. We were in the hood. I was the first huck to graduate from the university. And you know what I got for graduation? A shirt and tie. That was my graduation. When I had kids, I loved to be able to do for them. Love to be able to do for them. And the Bible says that I'm wicked compared to how much my father, our father loves us. Can I, can I be real honest with you? Most Christians don't ask too big, they ask too small. It uh, doesn't mean that boom, you're, but you, 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 you look, you look for that next blessing. You look for that next blessing. And that next blessing is not the end of blessing. It's just the journey of a new beginning of blessings. In these last days, we're going out a glorious bride without spot, without wrinkle. My brother right here with the shirt, what do you, what do you need God to do? Huh? Health? What can I ask you? And if you don't want to say with your health, but God, that's the thing about the skin. He removes the dying skin and he replaces it with living skin. Okay. You know, the story of lion and tis God put a gene in lion that no one has ever seen before. No medical history. And then God took the gene out of tears that they checked her twice. I know you've got it. it. Doesn't make any sense. That would pass this curse on to our sons and daughters, grandsons, and granddaughter. God stop that. I am convinced. I said this. We, Tiz and I said this on Jim Baker's show, and I had to explain it. I'm convinced God allowed us to go through the battle. God didn't do it, but He allowed us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not once, but twice at the same time 
so that we can say to all of you in the world, God can do something for you that no one has ever seen before. Amen. Does that make sense? My brother with the, with the B on there, what, uh, what, what do you need God to do for you? You're planning to get married? Yeah, it's not going to get cheaper. <laughs> know that right now. You know, I, I, I go on hunting trips. I love to hunt. People ask me all the time, how much would that hunting, how much did that hunting trip cost you? I said, I won't know till I get home because, you know, I have a bag limit when I go hunting. Tiz has no bag limit. <laughs> what do you do for a living? You work what? Mortgages. Watch for, watch for a tremendous door open up for you. Watch for, the Bible says, I'll give you favor with God. Watch that. And when you do this, listen, here's the danger of being financially blessed. I've seen this over the years and say, this won't happen to me. I've seen people that come in living in their cars, losing their homes, and God blesses them. And next thing you know, they're not in church anymore because they don't really need God to do anything anymore. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. When God blesses you, number one, give him all the praise and all the glory. Favor with God. But God also says, I'll give you favor with man. And God's going to speak to somebody. They're going to see your potential. They're going to draw you in. There's going to be an, an open doors. Give God all the praise and all the glory and 10% besides. And offerings besides, right? Amen. Amen. Let me throw something in on you. I have heard so many times. Listen, there's going to be great financial. This lady right here in the white sweater. What do you need God to do for you? Amen. Amen. Whatsoever you bind. That doesn't mean we go up to someone and we go, look at me. I bind you, devil. That's not how it works. Okay. But whatever you bind on earth, alcoholism, sickness, whatever it is, is from the devil. We battle not with flesh and blood, but we do battle with principalities. Is he in Dallas area? Yeah. You ought to see if he'll come next week because we're going to preach on breaking that chain. Huh? I'm believing he'll come. Yeah. So invite him out. Say, Pastor wants to see you and uh, he's going to make you sing a song. And no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. No. But understand, look, look at me. Whatever you bind on earth. I don't want to ruin my message. Nick. Whatever you bind on earth. Now we can come together, but I tell people all the time, don't have me pray for you. Have me pray with you. Because whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. You need to know who you are in Christ. What do you guys need? We're soon to get married. So. Soon to get married? Okay. You have a date? You don't have a date yet? Okay. I don't believe in long engagements. <laughs> Give no place to the devil. Until you say I do, you don't. Right? Amen. Okay, so you, you, you got a good job? Yeah, need a better job? All right, look, let's watch for it. And you give God all the praise and all the glory. Don't take a job where you work on Sunday. Keep your family in church. I'm serious, keep your family in church. 
In, in these last days, finances is a big part of the last time. I'm going to close with this. Finances is the big part of God's blessing. But listen to me. You got to be prepared for this. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, pastor, someday I'm going to write a check for a million dollars. And that's phenomenal. I believe you will. But if you don't write a check for a hundred dollars, and if you don't write a check for a thousand dollars, it's a lot more difficult to write a check for a million dollars. Right? You understand? I've always said somebody I want to give a million dollars away. And I remember when John brought that check in and said, okay, pastor, we're giving a million dollars away. I'm going, a million dollars. And now this year, we're not counting our orphanages and our feeding programs or in just Israel. We're at 2 million. But the reason is, is that if God gives it to us, he needs to trust us with it. We need to be honest people with God. Amen. Let me pray a mass prayer for all of us, everybody watching. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, I bind the devil in every area in Jesus' name. Father, I bind the devil from our homes, our family, our finances, our future, in every area in the name of Jesus. And Father, I loosen the blessing and the favor of God. Father, as you peel away the attack of the enemy, you refresh us to give us that life and that life more abundant. Not someday, but today. This is ours. This is end time. This is the power of God. This is where you use the blessing in our lives to be a testimony to the world. In every area, in Jesus' name. And everyone who believes your best is yet to come, give the Lord a clap offering and say amen. Say amen, say amen, say amen, say amen. Understand this. Understand this. When the enemy is attacking you, the only reason he's attacking you is because he's afraid of what God is getting ready to do. That's why he said, you are more than a conqueror. Folks, our best really is yet to come. Give the Lord a clap offering as Wanderson and Luke come to close us in prayer.